What up, son? It's the tail of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the Tapes, Season 2, Episode 52. On today's episode, we have Mace and Jedi Mind Tricks. So I definitely have a couple things to say about all these artists on today's episode. So as far as Mace is concerned, we're talking about the 90s here. So I'm in my early teenage years and need a ride and money from my parents to go cop some music and shit like that. So I remember having Mace's debut album, which I probably copped because of Biggie and Puff stuff, which was obviously huge at the time and I fucked with. So Mace was kind of always in my face and I enjoyed most of Bad Boys music at that time period in general. And I definitely love Mace's first album. I'm not sure I want to say it's one of my favorites of all time, but it's up there. I do love that album. I I guess if you consider the amount of albums that I've listened to, it is one of my favorite albums of all time, but it's not in like my top 10 or anything like that. But I really do love that album. Probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Now, it's probably a year or two removed from that album. And I don't remember which song I was looking for, but I definitely remember hearing a Mace song that I loved, and I had my mom driving around all day looking for the new Mace album for me, and we couldn't find it anywhere. Finally, I found it, and it didn't even have the song on it that I was looking for, but I did wind up loving his second album as well, so I was definitely on the Mace train, and then it got totally derailed, and Mace went on a five-year hiatus and became a pastor, and stuff like that, and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with growing or changing and having a different perspective and things like that, but to talk the way that you talked, then disappear and become a pastor, and then try to come back, just for some reason turned me off in some sort of way, and I I never caught Mace's third album when he returned. Now, all this being said, I had been informed at some point during Mace's hiatus in my high school years that Mace was actually a dope lyricist that used to fuck with Big L and Cameron and Children of the Corn and stuff like that, which I was not familiar with at that time, and that bad boy actually ruined him and stuff. So I was definitely excited to get up to Mace in this study for a lot of reasons. Number one, I wanted to revisit the original two albums, which I love. Number two, I was curious to see that Even though I wasn't having it at the time, maybe his third album was super dope and I didn't even know because I didn't give it a chance. And number three, I was very intrigued to see how Mace scored lyrically after doing some deeper research into Mace prior to Bad Boy in high school. So a lot of interesting factors going into Mace here that intrigued me. And Jedi Mind Tricks as a group I had heard of, but felt like I was more informed on Vinny Paz specifically than I was about Jedi Mind Tricks as a group or any of its members individually. Vinny Paz I had heard both in Jedi Mind Tricks songs and solo songs. And while I don't remember having any of his albums, I definitely do remember liking a fair amount of his material that I had heard and bumped some of his songs through high school and things like that. Just a lot I don't ever remember hearing about, and if I did, I wasn't even sure if he was a rapper, a producer, a DJ, whatever. Um, I do remember always thinking Vinny Paz was dope, and although I can't say I expected him to finish all the way at the top of this list, I expected him to do relatively well. 
They're definitely more underground artists like we had a couple episodes ago with Slug of Atmosphere and Aesop Rock. So for me, it's always interesting to see what these underground guys can do. Now, both Mace and Jedi Mind Tricks had their debut albums out in 1997. And these will be the last batch of artists covered to have made their debut in the calendar year of 1997. So next week, we'll start a new year in 1998. But today, we're going to start off here with Mace as his album was out before any of the other artists. Birth name is Mason Darrell Betha, also known as Murder Mace, born August 27, 1975, in Jacksonville, Florida, United States. Origins listed as New York City, New York, United States. His genres are listed as hip hop, and his years active are listed as 1993 to 1999, 2004 to 2006, and 2009 to present. So a couple things there as we see is AKA is Murder Mace. And that goes back to what I spoke on earlier with some people telling me about how dope Mace used to be before he was with Puff and started spitting rhymes about money and cars and jewelry and stuff like that. So for anyone who's not familiar with that version of Mace but is with his commercial material, I'm sure that name of Murder Mace both doesn't fit his public persona and comes as a surprise to you. We also see he was actually born in Jacksonville, Florida, which came as a surprise to me and most that know Mace very vocally reps Harlem, New York City. But that's because Mace moved to Harlem when he was six, just about seven years old. So the majority of his life that can even be remembered is surely in Harlem. Also, we see years active as a bunch of all over the place numbers as Mace frequently either retires or goes on hiatuses or quits rapping or whatever you want to call it and then makes a return out of the blue. Currently, he's listed as active but hasn't put out an album since 2004, so take that how you want it. But let's read up on some background info and see if we can find any additional information in there on Mace. Mason Darrell Betha, born August 27, 1975, better known by his mononym Mace, formerly Murder Mace, is an American rapper and minister. In the late 1990s, he recorded on the Bad Boy Records label alongside its founder, Sean Diddy Combs. From 1996 to 1999, as a lead or featured artist, Mace had six Billboard Hot 100 Top 10 singles and five U.S. Rap Number 1 singles. Mace's 1997 album Harlem World was certified quadruple platinum by the RIAA. His other two albums, Double Up in 1999 and Welcome Back in 2004, have been certified gold. So that short background there, ironically enough, pretty much epitomizes Mace's hip-hop career. Very successful while active, but very short-lived. We see in just a four-year span, he has six top ten singles five number one singles, a quadruple platinum album, which is obviously absurd, and a gold album, which is also a hell of an accomplishment, but sounds petty in comparison to the quadruple platinum one. Then, after a hiatus, he went gold again upon returning, so clearly no struggles there for Mace when it came to mainstream commercial success, but again, like I said, not very much else there. So let's read up on my synopsis of Mace and see what I had to say. Not sure there was anyone on planet Earth in the mid-90s who didn't own at least one Bad Boy rostered artist album. Popularity aside, technically speaking, how good was Mace actually? While he did take shortcuts sometimes and had some iffy lines, they were outweighed by better ones. 
He was also good at being able to keep a topic. Where Mace really shined, though, even surprisingly to me, was his ability to utilize different rhyme schemes and rhyme a good amount of syllables per bar, leaving him above average lyrically overall. Mace only qualified three hip-hop albums throughout his entire career so far. While that's clearly not a large body of work, all three of those albums were great albums. Of his 44 total songs, six of them were great while only one was weak and another 23 were good. That makes over 50% of Mace's songs good or better, which might be just as impressive as every album being great. It's a bit tough to gauge Mace's impact on the hip-hop game for many reasons. If you're talking about the 90s, he would get a high score. But this isn't just about the peak of his career, it's about the entirety of it as a whole. We have to take into consideration that he did fall off, had a small body of work, and only had clear impacts on Big Pun, DMX, and the game. To be fair though, those are pretty big names, and those were acquired in just a handful of years and albums. Mace was also all over the place when it came to originality. He started off as Murder Mace, and then his image quickly switched to that of a fly, wealthy pretty boy who made songs for the radio. While that could be looked at as selling out, the quality of his content never took a hit. On top of that, his voice and delivery were pretty unique, and he definitely had a fair amount of original song ideas. So sounds like mostly pretty good stuff there for Mace, but again, very short-lived and abrupt, so let's see how the numbers added up for him at the end of the day. Lyrics, he gets a six, and like I spoke about, man, I mean, Mace was, you know, the occasional iffy line, the occasional shortcut, things like that, but again, we're not asking anybody to be perfect here, this is art and stuff like that, so yes, the things that you're doing that are making your art easier, you're going to lose credit for, the things that you're seemingly not able to do, you're going to lose credit for, the things that are very difficult, you're going to gain credit for, the things that are very original, you're going to gain credit for, stuff like that. So, yes, it's art. Anybody can do what they want to do with their art, but we're here to judge the technical aspects of it. And, you know, I think of this because the Olympics was recently on, and I I don't know how many people, if any, have really have any idea about figure skating at all. And it's not that I'm very into it at all either. I really don't know how the judging of the scoring works, but I do watch it sometimes when it's on. I'll kind of just watch any Olympic sport, to be honest with you. Um, But I know that, you know... Things like skateboarding, um, snowboarding, you know, doing half pipes, figure skating, stuff like that. You're being given points based on difficulty, right? You can't just say, well, he had a perfect run. Okay, he had a perfect run, but what did he do? How high did he go? How many flips did he do? How many twists did he do, right? What if I just go down a half pipe and I just go up, down, up, down, up, down. I'm only getting a foot of air and I'm not doing any tricks. Do I get a perfect score because I didn't mess anything up? Of course not, because I didn't do anything difficult. So you have to understand that there has to be risks taken if you want a great score, right? Like you have to go out on a limb and try to do these impressive and infrequent things that most other people either can't do or won't do. In doing that, especially considering that this is art, you may lose some points somewhere depending on how you go about this. But I'm just trying to make a point that, yes, you're getting credit for something being more difficult in the same token that if you take a risk in snowboarding or, you know, skateboarding, half pipe, figure skating, all these type of things. If you take that risk and you miss, you're going to have points deducted, right? 
Same way you're going to have points deducted if you don't take that risk and you just play the safe route and rhyme one syllable each time and don't use any rhyme schemes or go for any punchlines and things like that. So, yes, there were some run-on bars. Yes, there were some iffy lines. Yes, there are other people that have gone their careers without run-on bars or without iffy lines. But I'm just trying to make a point that I'm not trying to hammer somebody here for every little thing, but I do have to point out the good and the bad that they do. But again, he was good at keeping a topic. Those little technical mishaps were definitely outweighed by better ones. And something that I particularly never realized what Mace was so good at when I was younger and listening to him was all the different rhyme schemes he was able to utilize and the amount of syllables that he was able to rhyme every bar or two. So that kind of caught me off guard particularly about Mace. But again, like I said, you know, not one of the greatest lyricists of all time or anything ridiculous, but I think the people that were saying to me, oh, Mace used to be dope, Mace was a sick lyricist, they kind of had a point, they kind of didn't. And what I mean by that is, yeah, they, they were right. Mace was a pretty dope lyricist. He was. Where they were wrong was that Mace never fell off. When Mace switched his style and switch what he was talking about, his technicalities never took a hit. He was still using the same rhyme schemes. He was still rhyming the same amount of syllables. He still had some dope lines and things like that. It's just that the people that fell in love with Murder Mace were not a fan of the content that Mace was putting out. And that's fine. And again, that's the point of this study. You don't have to like something. We're not here to debate what people like or what people don't like. Me, personally, I had no issue with the mainstream commercially successful Mace. I liked most of those albums. Yeah, it is a couple of songs I could probably do without, for sure. But I thought most of those albums were good. Now, again, that may be my bias. That may be because they came out when I was 13, 14 years old and shit like that. And I have nostalgia with these things. So when I put them on, I get this feeling inside. And I'm like, oh, I love this fucking album, right? So... You know, maybe that's just my bias. Maybe that's my nostalgia. Where their bias and their nostalgia is when they hear Murder Mace, they get that feeling. And when they hear Mace, they cringe. All of these things are totally fine. These are opinions. These are what you like and don't like. I don't want to argue with anybody. I would love to hear people's opinions. I have no problem listening to people's opinions. I don't want to argue with people about their opinions. Your opinion is yours and that's totally fine as long as you own up to the fact that it's an opinion and it's just your personal preference, right? My opinion and my personal preference, I like Mace. I like mainstream commercially successful Mace. That's just my personal opinion. The facts are Murder Mace and the mainstream commercially successful Mace, one was really no better than the other. It's a very small body of work, so I mean, what are you talking about? One or two albums for each version of this guy, if that, right? And not even really, because Murder Mace never really had an official album. Yes, he was Murder Mace, and he was on songs with Cameron and Children of the Corn and Big L and things like that, so I'm not trying to act like that didn't happen, but his first album was under Bad Boy as Mace. So, we don't really have you know, a fair amount of material to compare the two, to pin one or two albums against each other and look, okay, this one was dramatically better than this one. We don't have that. But we do have the technicalities that were taken into account of what did he do when he was Murder Mace and what did he do when he was Mace. And yes, his content changed and his sound changed, but his skill level never changed. So a six there lyrically for Mace, 
Albums, he gets a 5.72 with zero classics. And I want to address a couple of things here. Again, his first album, one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time. Like I said, not my top 10 or anything like that. Probably somewhere in my top 25 to 50. But considering that I've probably listened to 10,000 hip-hop albums, maybe more. Probably more, actually. Top 50 is, you know, I think it's deserved of me saying it's one of my favorite hip-hop albums of all time. Okay, so to me... That first Mace album is a classic. When we're including my bias, my preferences, my opinions, my nostalgia, Harlem World is a fucking classic. I can pretty much bump that from beginning to end. I may skip a song or something here or there. But that album is a classic to me. Technically speaking, it's not a classic. He didn't score any classics, technically speaking. But to me, Harlem World is an absolute classic. His second album... Um, I don't know if I would necessarily call that one a classic, but it's right there. I mean, to me, it's probably a classic. But again, technically speaking, Mace didn't score any classics. What Mace did do was he only had three albums, and all three of those albums were great. So not only is that consistent, but it's consistently great, right? You could be, you know, consistent and have four out of four weak albums. Yeah, you were consistent, but you sucked. In what form were you consistent? Mace was consistently great when it came to albums. And although, like I said, there's only three, that is very impressive stuff there. Mace, obviously, tremendous when it comes to making albums. He doesn't make a lot of them, but when he makes one, it's almost a guarantee that it's going to be a great album. Songs, he gets a plus 1.2, and that's a pretty significant score. We talk about this all the time. When you're getting plus or minus a point or more in this songs category, it starts to become pretty significant. So Mace getting a plus 1.2 there in the songs category. And like I said, that, you know, Mace only had 44 total songs. So yes, only six of them were great. So when you think about it, okay, Mace only had six great songs. That doesn't sound that great, right? Well, Mace only put out 44 songs. Now, one of them was weak, but again, one out of 44 is a very low percentage, and that's weighed against the six out of 44, which is a decent enough percentage to keep him at plus a full point there. I also want to point something else out here. Now, it may look right now like Mace is kind of being handed some freebies, right? It's like 5.72 in the album score. That's, re that's a really great album score. Well, but he only had three albums, so is that fair? You know what I mean? Like, if you if you had somebody playing in the NHL, they only played three seasons, but they scored a goal a game. That was their average, right? They scored 81 season, 84 another season, and 82 another season. And it's like, oh, he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. He's got a goal a game average, but he only played three seasons, though. Could he have done that if he played 20 seasons? Right, So I want to point a couple of things out here because it looks like it might be a loophole where it's like, oh, okay, so just make one or two albums, have them be amazing or whatever, and you'll finish astronomically high. Not true for a bunch of reasons. Number one, your lyric score is obviously cumulative, right? So everybody is starting out at a five. Five is just average and even. And then anything you do from that point on is going to raise or lower you. If you only have 20, 40 songs, realistically, right, you can only climb so high. Now, Big L didn't have that many songs and climbed to a pretty high lyrical score. I believe it was a seven and a half. But I want to point out a couple of things here. First of all, 
when I say Big L is a seven and a half lyrically, it irks me a little bit because Big L was absolutely fucking amazing. The thing is, there were other people that were amazing like L, but did it for 15 or 20 albums. You have to give those people credit for that. So yes, you can climb to a high score lyrically in a short period of time if you really are that ridiculous. But understand how consistently ridiculous you're going to have to be to get that high that quickly. So by having a smaller amount of material, you're definitely hindering your ability to climb to a certain point lyrically. You're also putting an absolute cap on how many points you can receive for classic albums. So let's make a point here. Let's just say that Mace only had three albums and all three of them were classic albums, right? Okay, yeah, he's going to get an extra three points added on to his total score. But you have somebody like Eminem who got 15 or Jay-Z who had like 9 or 10 or whatever it was and people like that. So when you're talking about finishing at a certain level, you have to look at, can you really put out three albums and be top five? I guess maybe you can... But the mathematical possibility of that happening, it, it's, it's bordering impossible. I don't want to say that it's impossible, but it's bordering impossible. So again, by putting out that small of a body of work, you're really going to give yourself a very, very hard time to pile on some of these bonus points that you could have accumulated over time. Now again, we don't know what they would have accumulated over time. Mace could have came out with another three albums or could come out with another three albums over the next three years that are not good. And they lower his song score and they lower his lyric score and they lower his album score, right? So that's not to also say that, okay, so then just make 30 albums and put them out and you'll fucking get all these bonus points. Well, no, you won't. You have to earn the bonus points and you have to consistently earn them over a long period of time. So you're getting penalized for certain things in certain parts you're getting bonus points for certain things in certain parts. All the opportunities are all the same afforded to everybody to do certain things depending on how much material they put out. So I just wanted to point that stuff out there. So yes, a low number of songs for Mace, which only six great songs, but still a solid percentage with only the one weak song coming off of it. So he is able to gain a plus 1.2 in the song category, which is good stuff. Impact, he gets a five and a half. And like I said, this was a tough one, man. I, You know, for the most part, that five and a half, that above average score is really just being handed to Mace based off the fact that with such a small body of work and only 44 songs having, you know, whatever it was, six top 10 songs and five number one songs and a quadruple platinum album, the other two albums being gold and things like that. Yes, we do have to take into consideration that he goes on hiatuses and disappears. We do have to take into consideration that he only really visibly musically influenced three people. We do have to take into consideration that he's only put out three albums and 44 songs in total. So yes, those things would drag your impact score very low, but I think the quadruple platinum album, the two gold albums, the fact that that's 100% of his albums, and the fact that he's had obviously a tremendous amount of commercial success on a very small amount of songs is obviously very impressive. So all things taken into consideration, I think Mace gets an just above average score there of five and a half in the impact department. And originality, Mace gets a six and a half. And again, there was a couple of things to keep into consideration here. 
you know, you come out as Murder Mace and you're rapping about certain things, then you essentially sell out and you do a 180 on your image, all of a sudden you're this fly, wealthy, pretty boy making songs for the radio and the ladies and things like that, and, you know, you essentially sold out your style of music for a more trendy one and, and things like that. So, all those things do obviously have to be taken into consideration, and I think that the majority of those things would probably put Mace at around a four for originality and stuff like that because those are obviously not positive things so that would bring him below average but then again mace's voice and delivery and kind of the tone and the way that he wrapped his rhyme style and stuff like that those were definitely pretty original and he definitely had a fair amount of original song ideas and i really think that that's an important one i want to i want to talk about that for a second so if you have somebody, for example, that, you know, their image is not out of left field, they don't necessarily dress absolutely ridiculous, but they're totally just being themselves. They're not following any trends, they're not wearing what everybody else wears, they're just being themselves, right? And they happen to sample a lot on songs, you know, uh, a Tupac interview here, uh, Jay-Z sampled on a hook here, you know. And this is a common theme throughout their music, right? But every other song is about something where you're like, man, that was a dope concept. Like, I've never heard anybody make a song about something like that. I think it's very important to keep in mind when somebody is both being themselves and bringing something brand new to the table. I feel like those affect the originality score more than sampling. Okay, the same way that sneak taking lines from people like saying something that somebody already said before but kind of changing a word here or there and you know not giving any indication that it's from this person or anything like that listen i'm not saying you can't do it everybody does it you know well i shouldn't say that odb didn't do it but 95 percent of rappers have done it at some point and that's not to say that they're trying to steal the line or necessarily make pretend that it's theirs. And I know that some of these are accidental. I've had lines where, you know, I made up a line and I said it, and now that I'm going through all these people, somebody else said it like seven years before me, and I'm like, God damn it, like, I didn't fucking know they said that. Or, you know, even even an album title. I found an album titled 718 last week. I came out with an album 718 in 2008, and I never ever knew that there was already an album called 718. Obviously, common sense would tell you that somebody somewhere on the planet named an album 718, but I didn't really know that a well-known artist had an album called 718. So, I'm sure it definitely happens inadvertently sometimes, and I'm sure that it happens very well on purpose sometimes, where people try to, you know, take lines and kind of flip them in their own type of way, so... I think doing something like that loses you a little bit more credit than sampling. I think something like doing a 180 on your image and your content loses you a little bit more than sampling. I think that having original song ideas and being yourself and original concepts and bringing something new and fresh to the table holds a little bit more weight than some of the other things that you could do. So I feel like that's an important one and I feel like Mace definitely had that aspect of being an original artist down pat. So keep in mind here, like I said, yes, everything that you do is going to affect one of these scores in some way, shape, or form, right? But at the end of the day, 
the music is gonna be what's most important your lyrics your music your impact on the music your originality as far as the music is concerned so yes your image counts this counts that counts yada yada all of it counts but the music is always going to be the most prominent most important factor in any of these scores so with all things considered mace gets a six and a half for originality there so you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five and that gives you a final rating of 4.98 which puts mace in a tie for 41st place of 188 artists done overall so a pretty decent finish there for Mace who lands comfortably inside of our top quarter so far. And since we've already covered the artist that Mace is tied with, I will reveal that he is in a tie for 41st place with Sticky Fingers of Onyx. Again, a very ad pairing of two artists with completely different sounds, styles, approaches, and probably even scores, but end up in a dead tie in 41st at the end of the day. So... Super interesting stuff there, but we definitely got to acknowledge that there are not very many artists who can say they were around for this short of a time and accomplished all that much in the hip-hop community. So major shout-outs to Mace for being as successful as he was in such a short period of time with such a small body of work. Now, moving on to Jedi Mind Tricks, who also had their debut album out as a group in 1997. We're going to start off here with some general background info on the group as a whole, and then we'll move into each of its members individually. So Jedi Mind Tricks, also known as JMT, the genres are listed as underground hip-hop, conscious hip-hop, hardcore hip-hop, and horrorcore. Their years active are listed as 1996 to present. Their members are listed as Vinnie Paz, Stoop the Enemy of Mankind, and DJ Question. And their past members are listed as Just Allah and DJ Drew Dollars. So again, like I spoke about, this group is certainly considered to be underground hip-hop, which you see listed there as one of their genres. I also want to speak on the current and past members. We see the active members listed as Vinnie Paz, Stoop the Enemy of Mankind, and DJ Question. We also see JMT's years active listed as 1996 to present, so they are still currently an active group. However, we also see that Vinnie Paz is the only rapper presently active as Stoop the Enemy of Mankind is a producer and Question is a DJ. Its past members are listed as Just Allah and DJ Drew Dollars, so while I don't know exactly why DJ Drew Dollars was replaced by DJ Question, he was. Just Allah and Vinnie Paz have had some qualms over the years, if I remember correctly, and Just Allah was in and out of the group periodically. Currently, he's not considered to be in the group, but as we've seen in the past, it's possible he returns one day. So, now let's read up on some background info on the group as a whole and see what that tells us. Jedi Mind Tricks are an American underground hip-hop group formed by two high school friends, rapper Vinnie Paz, Vincenzo Luvenieri, and producer Stoop the Enemy of Mankind, Kevin Baldwin. In 1999, rapper Jusala joined the group to record their second studio album, Violent by Design. Just left the group shortly after, but returned in late 2006 and began working on the sixth studio album, A History of Violence. In 2011, Stoop left the group because his heart wasn't in making Jedi Mind Tricks records anymore. In 2013, Just split from the group indefinitely and Stoop returned in 2015. 
DJ Question mainly scratches choruses on the turntable. Question is also a part of the group Scratch Mechanics. Question, who is the tour DJ, was a replacement for Jedi Mind Trick's previous DJ, Drew Dollars, who is no longer affiliated with the group due to creative differences. JMT has collaborations with both regional MCs and rap veterans, including Jizza, Cool G Rap, 7L and Esoteric, Sean Price, Razcast, Cannabis, Percy P, Killer Priest, Immortal Technique, Block McLeod, Virtuoso, Lewis Logic, R.A. The Rugged Man, Tragedy Gaddafi, Chief Kamachi, Necro, and Ill Bill. The group has sold over 250,000 albums in the United States and 450,000 albums worldwide, all of which were released independently. So some good background info there on the group as we do see some of the members popping in and out of the group explained, so it was nice to have that clarified. Now, I want to speak on a couple of other things here. Is this an underground group? Yes, it is. Have they had major mainstream commercial success? No, they haven't. Has that been by choice? I believe so. On top of that, we can see that clearly they are respected by the hip-hop community and their peers as a long list of solid names have worked with JMT, and I also want to point out the 450,000 total album sales worldwide. Does that stack up against Mace's debut album going quadruple platinum? Obviously not, but Mace had a huge machine behind him. Jedi Mind Tricks got to that number completely independently, which is absolutely insane if you think about it, and quite frankly could possibly be even more impressive than Mace's numbers when all things are considered. But obviously underground legends we're dealing with here, so let's branch off into each individual member of the group. Both members of the group did make the cut, so all of the group's material plus each artist's solo and collaboration works will all count. Surprisingly enough, Just Allah was the first of the two to have a solo album out, which was released in 2005, so we'll start off with him. Birth name is James Bostic, also known as The Black Man, Megatron, The Omnius, The Goat, and King Justine. Born June 30th, 1978 in Camden, New Jersey, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop and hardcore, and his years active listed as 1993 to present. So a couple of aliases there I never heard of, but then again, I was very under-informed on Just Allah prior to starting this. So, years active listed as 1993 to present, but Just Allah is very sporadic with his releases, so let's check out some background info on Just Allah individually and see what we can find out. James Bostic, born June 30th, 1978, better known by his stage name Just Allah, is an American rapper from Camden, New Jersey. He is best known for being a former member of Philadelphia-based hip-hop groups Jedi Mind Tricks and Army of the Pharaohs. He was involved in JMT since the early days, but left before the recording of their first album, The Psychosocial, only to rejoin the group a couple of years later. He made his official debut on Jedi Mind Tricks' second album, Violent by Design, in 2000. Jusala is known for his aggressive lyrics that are commonly Afrocentric subject matter as well as heavily using a multisyllabic rhyming technique which is abundant and violent by design and his debut solo All Fates Have Changed. 
In later years, he switched his delivery to a more aggressive, deeper, and raspier style, most notable in later JMT albums such as A History of Violence and Violence Begets Violence. Jusselaw's involvement in Jedi Mind Tricks has sometimes been conflictual, resulting in him leaving and rejoining the band several times. So definitely what seems to be some very accurate background information on Just Allah there. I definitely do remember his delivery and stuff like that changing over time, which was brought up. So definitely some interesting stuff there for Just Allah. So let's move on to my write-up of Just Allah now and check out how that reads. I knew of Jedi Mind Tricks as a group and even Vinnie Paz, but don't really recall hearing Just Allah's name until shortly before starting this study in 2016. Early on, he did take some shortcuts, and although he never seemed to necessarily match Paz in this category, he did get very good with multisyllabic rhymes. He was a bit inconsistent from verse to verse and had his fair share of both iffy and dope lines. He was also very good with using different rhyme schemes and managed to finish well above average lyrically overall. Maybe part of the reason I don't remember hearing his name is because he was always in and out of the group. He was only a part of three of nine Jedi Mind Tricks albums, plus two of his own for a total of five qualifying albums. Three of those five were great, with the other two being classics. It should be noted, however, that both of those classics were in conjunction with Paz as Jedi Mind Tricks. Of his 63 qualified songs, 13 were great, none were weak, and another 31 were good. That makes over 20% of his songs great songs, and another 50% of them good songs. Amazing stuff. When it came to impact on hip-hop, there was a lot going against Just Allah. With no visible impacts on any other artists, not being a household name not only outside of hip-hop, but even some parts in it, not being the biggest member of his own group, plus having really only contributed to less than half of the group's work as a whole, he took a bit of a hit here. The only real thing he had going for him in this department was that he was a member of Jedi Mind Tricks, even if it was for brief periods of time. When it came to originality, however, it was quite the opposite as he had a lot going for him. The group in general was very original in both sound and content. While being in the group, Jusselah still managed to be himself and be his own very unique character in that group. He was probably one of the most mentally deranged artists to date next to Eminem when it came to their love of blood, graphic visuals, and brutally murdering people. The only thing going against him in this department was how out of nowhere he completely switched his voice and delivery to sound much more similar to Vinnie Paz. Other than that he seemed very original but also seemed to be very bitter with some misplaced hate similar to Professor Griff. He spoke a lot and made songs, especially later on, about how much he hated white people, but his other group members and probably the person cutting his checks were white, so it became a little hard at times to overlook the irony in that particular situation. So sounds like mostly good stuff there for Just Allah, certainly more good than bad, so let's add up the numbers here and see what we come out with. Lyrics he gets a six and a half. Like I said, I, I was I was impressed by Just Allah, man. He he did have some iffy lines, did have some dope lines and stuff like that, but he was also very good with using different rhyme schemes. He was very good with multi-syllabic rhymes and things like that. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that I expected this dude to not be good because like I said, when you're dealing with a lot of these underground guys, especially guys that have made the cut, you have to understand that a lot of these guys from the underground are not necessarily getting the same impact scores that some of these main artists are. So 
in order for them to even have made the cut, they probably had to be pretty good lyrically. So I don't want to say that I didn't expect Jocelyn to be good lyrically, but I don't know that I expected him to be this impressive. I was definitely impressed with Jocelyn when it came to lyrics. Albums, he gets a 6.40, which is obviously a very good score. Only five albums. Three of those five albums were Jedi Mind Tricks albums. One of them was great. The other two were classics. And then his other two solo works were both great albums as well. So we saw some impressive stuff there with Mace. Only three albums. All three great albums. Here with Just Allah, even more impressive. Five albums, two classics, three great ones. So obviously tremendous stuff there when it comes to the album score. Again... Those two classics were both with Jedi Mind Tricks. He wasn't able to garner any classics on his own, but only two solo albums and both great albums. So I don't want to knock him too hard there. Absolutely terrific stuff there when it comes to the album score for Just Allah. Songs, he gets a plus 2.1. So before Mace got a plus 1.2, and that was impressive stuff. Here with Just Allah, we get a plus 2.1. And kind of back to what I was talking about before with the, the small body of work, right? Not a really big body of work here from Just Allah either. Only 63 qualified songs. But Mace only had 44. So Just Allah actually did have a bigger body of work. About one and a half times the amount of work that Mace had. But he was able to keep that percentage going on for longer and better. So more than double the amount of great songs that Mace had and no weak songs where Mace had one. So yes, impressive stuff there from Mace. Even more impressive stuff here from Just Allah. 63 songs, 13 great songs, no weak ones. Another 31 good songs. 20% of his songs great or better. 50% of his songs good. So really, really, really solid stuff when it comes to lyrics, albums, and songs there for Just Allah. Impact, he gets a four and a half, and, you know, I kind of already addressed this. I spoke about this. There was just a lot of hits here to take for Just Allah. So, when it comes to the group Jedi Mind Tricks, right, again, you got to keep a bunch of things in, in consideration. Did they have, you know, any, like, platinum albums or major commercial mainstream success or anything like that? No, they didn't. Was that by design? Yeah, I think it was. They also sold a ridiculous amount of albums independently. So no, while there aren't any platinum albums or major mainstream commercial success, there is an absolute shit ton of underground and independent success. And that does have to be taken into consideration. So a little bit on both sides of the fence there for the group as a whole. But still, we do have to keep in mind that it is an underground group and not a mainstream commercially successful group. We also have to keep all the other things in mind when you're talking about the members of the group. So speaking on Just Allah in particular, no visible impacts on any other artists. He's not a household name, not only outside of hip-hop, but even some parts in it. I'm pretty well-versed in hip-hop. I knew of Jedi Mind Tricks. I knew Vinnie Paz. I bumped some of their songs. I wasn't really familiar with Just Allah. I know plenty of people that are pretty solid hip-hop fans that I can pretty much guarantee you they never heard of Just Allah. And now I'm not trying to shit on Just Allah. I'm just saying we have to keep these things into consideration. Now, even looking just into this group, right? If I say to a lot of these people, do you know Jedi Mind Tricks? They may or may not. Some people that do will or won't know Just Allah. Some people won't even really know Jedi Mind Tricks. 
out of the people that I say, do you know Jedi mind tricks? And they say, no, I may say, do you know Vinny Paz? And some of them may say yes. So when it comes to Jedi mind tricks as a group, like I said, there's a bit of give and take there on both sides of the fence. When it comes to Vinny Paz in particular, he's as big, you could make the argument maybe bigger than the group itself. I, I'm not trying to make that argument. I'm just trying to state a fact that it, it's in the same ballpark. With Jasalah, it's quite the opposite. Jasalah benefits and is probably carried to a four and a half for impact because of the fact that he is in Jedi Mind Tricks, which is an underground legendary hip-hop group. But again, Jasalah, not even one of the bigger members in his own group, and he contributed to less than half of the group's work. So again, Jedi Mind Tricks as a group, underground legends... Yes, Jusalah was part of that group, but contributed to less than half of that group's material. So again, there are some hits there for Jusalah when it comes to impact. And like I said, he was carried to a four and a half just by being in Jedi Mind Tricks, quite frankly. And originality, he gets a nine. Like I spoke about, very, very original artists here in many ways. The group as a whole had an original approach to the, to the music business and an original sound. So off the bat, even if you're not particularly doing anything that's overly original, as long as you're not doing anything that's unoriginal, you're probably going to get a decent score in the originality department just because of the group that you're in. This is reminiscent of some Wu-Tang stuff, right? Wu-Tang as a whole had their own sound and their own style and their own approach to the music business. So just being in that group, yes, it's going to give you a certain amount of originality, you can then chip away or add to that depending on what you do on your own. So Jusalah definitely able to add to that. Like I said, he was one of the most mentally deranged artists that I've gone through so far when it came to their love of like blood and graphically, visually, brutally murdering people and just, you know, the content that he regularly spoke about and things like that. And even his delivery and rhyme style to a certain extent, it started off very, very original, and then he did make a switch at some point where he seemed like he was trying to sound more like Vinny Paz. Whether that was or was his intention is obviously unknown to me, but it has to be taken into consideration. So, you know, all things considered, he gets a 9 for originality there, which is obviously a tremendous score. And you add all those six numbers up because you have the two points for the classics, so you add the lyrics, the albums, the classics, the songs, the impact, and the originality. You divide that up by 5, and that gives you a final rating of 6.10, which puts Just a Law in a tie for 16th place of 188 artists done overall. Yay! So a very solid finish there for Just a Law, no doubt about that. And for the record, that ties him with Pharaoh Monch, so crazy stuff there. And I must admit... I majorly slept on Just Allah, man. I did not realize him or Jedi Mind Tricks as a whole were quite this dope. I knew I liked their shit, but I can't say I ever expected a member I didn't even know to finish this high at all. So major shoutouts to Just Allah for sure. Now let's move on to Vinny Paz, who had his debut solo album out in 2010. His birth name is Vincenzo Luvineri. Also known as Icon the Verbal Hologram, Pasmanian Devil, Louis Dogs, Boxcutter Pazzy, Pasmanian Damien, Pack Pistol Pazzy, Pazienza, The Genocide General, Vincent Price, Broad Street Bully, 
Pistolero Pazzi, The Sicilian Shooter, Pazman, and Vin Laden. Born October 5th, 1977 in Agrigento, Sicily, Italy. His origins listed as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop. And his years active are listed as 1993 to present. So no shortage of AKAs there for Vinny Paz. And some of those are definitely funny. Especially the way he says some of them for some reason on some of these songs. I get a kick out of it, but... We also see that he was actually born in Sicily, Italy, which I was not aware of, but I believe he is the first rapper in the podcast to be born in Italy. As we see, his origin is listed as Philly, so he obviously does qualify for the study, but let's read up on some more background information on Vinny Paz and see if we can learn anything else. Vincenzo Luvenieri, born October 5th, 1977, better known as Vinny Paz, formerly known as Icon the Verbal Hologram, is a Sicilian-American rapper and producer behind the Philadelphia underground hip-hop group Jedi Mind Tricks. He is also the frontman of the hip-hop collective Army of the Pharaohs. He released his first solo album, Season of the Assassin, in 2010. This was 18 years after Paz had originally started rapping. In 2013, Paz confirmed that he was working with Army of the Pharaohs to release In Death Reborn, which was released in 2014. So, really not too much additional info there on Paz, so let's get right into my breakdown of him and see what I had to say about Vinny. I was well aware of both Vinny Paz and Jedi Mind Tricks, although I can't say I remember ever owning any of their albums. That being said, I definitely heard and enjoyed a fair amount of songs. I always thought Paz was good, but didn't know too much of him and remember being very curious to see where Boxcutter Pazzy would finish. While he certainly wasn't bad at the start, it was on the second Jedi Mind Tricks album where Vinny clearly began to step up his game to a new level. He had a good vocabulary and said some really meaningful and powerful lines. Towards the middle of his career, he became very good with using different rhyme schemes and absolutely amazing with multisyllabic rhymes. He was also pretty good at being able to hold a topic, and while he definitely had his fair share of dope lines, it was clear his main focus was on multi-syllabic rhymes. At the end of the day, the Pasmanian Devil showed the ability to go absolutely ballistic on verses and finished as a top lyricist overall. He also had a very high work rate, qualifying 19 albums for scoring. 10 with Jedi Mind Tricks, 2 in collaboration with Ill Bill, one with Tragedy Gaddafi, plus another six solo albums. Of those 19, two were good, eight were great, eight were classics, and another one was a borderline classic. Not even a single average album out of 19, let alone a weak one. Of his 297 qualified songs, 57 were great, only one was weak, and another 150 were good songs. This means that just about 70% of his songs were good or better. With that many songs, that is a ridiculously impressive stat as Vinny was a model of consistency. While Jedi Mind Tricks and even Vinny Paz are certainly synonymous with underground hip-hop, they are definitely not a household name even in the mainstream of hip-hop itself and did not have a large amount of commercial success, although I don't really think that was ever either of their intentions. He also only managed to have visible impacts on Black Thought and maybe a few others. When it came to originality, there was a lot to keep in mind for Paz. His voice, message, content, and overall sound were definitely original. 
However, even though he didn't borrow an overabundance of lines from anyone, he did sample a tremendous amount, especially from Prodigy, Killer Priest, Nas, Lord Finesse, Method Man, Biggie, and M.O.P. So that definitely sounds like another really solid breakdown there for Jedi Mind Tricks member Vinny Paz. And even the very few things that were pointed out as quote-unquote negative here were quickly heavily outweighed by a similar positive. So let's get into the math here for Vinny Paz and see how it all adds up for him. Lyrics, he gets an eight and a half. And I'm, you know, I'm just going to say it right now, man. I mean, Vinny Paz is one of the best lyricists I've gone through so far, hands down. Um, like I said, you know, on the first album, there were, I don't want to say problems because it's not that he wasn't good. He was good, but there were other things that were kind of, you know, he'd do two good things and then one negative thing, three good things, one negative thing. So, you know, still a solid score there and still able to raise his lyric score. But I'm telling you on that second album, Vinny Paz really just stepped his game up and never looked back. And he was extremely consistent after that. Plenty of dope lines from Vinny Paz, plenty of rhyme schemes and stuff like that. But the number one way that Vinny Paz really shined most consistently was... This man was almost always rhyming three, four, five, six syllables on every bar he spit. So, again, you could do stuff like that and not make any sense and, you know, kind of have this give and take effect where, yes, you're rhyming a lot of a lot of syllables, a lot of rhyme schemes, but you're not really saying anything good or you're not really making any sense or things like that. Not the case here with Vinny Paz. Vinny Paz was able to take his skill you know, his ability to keep a topic and drop powerful, meaningful, deep, dope lines and still add in the fact that I'm going to make, you know, six, seven, eight, whatever amount of syllables on these couple of bars here still rhyme and still find a way to say what I want to say and have deep, dope, meaningful, powerful lines and stuff like that. So, you know, flat out, man, Vinny Paz, an absolutely incredible lyricist. There's no way around that. He gets an eight and a half here lyrically. So very, very impressive stuff. Albums, he gets a 6.11 with eight classics. And a couple of things to be noted here. So 6.11 is a great score. Eight classics is obviously tremendous. But at the end of the day, this does wind up being a lower album score than just a lot. So again, back to that age-old argument where it's like, okay, well, Jusselah has the better album score, but Vinny Paz has more albums, right? Vinny Paz was able to keep that 6.11 over 19 albums, where Jusselah was able to manage a 6.40 over 5 albums. Well, which one is more impressive? Well, Vinny's winds up being more impressive at the end of the day because he's able to register 8 classic albums as opposed to Jocelyn only registering two classic albums. So I would think that those extra six points are definitely going to be more valuable than the point three that Jocelyn gained in the album score there. So the fact that Vinny Paz was able to stay consistent while keeping his work rate so high wound up working out for his favor here, even though he does wind up getting the lower album score. But like I said, that's still a tremendous album score. I mean, 19 albums... Only two of them were even good. No weak albums, no average albums, two good albums, eight great albums, eight classic albums, and another borderline classic. So, I mean, 
really, really, really impressive and incredible stuff there when it comes to the albums for Vinny Paz, especially considering that that score and all that, you know, those numbers are all gotten over a course of 19 albums. Very consistent, very impressive. Songs, he gets a plus 1.9, which, yes, it's just under Jusselah's song score again, but, you know, just about the same thing here. The both of them getting almost plus a full two points here, so incredibly impressive stuff from the both of them. 297 songs for Vinny Paz here, which is an incredible number of songs. 57 great songs, only one weak song, another 150 good songs, 70% of his work that he put out was good or better, so incredible stuff there from both Vinny Paz, Jusala, and Jedi Mind Tricks as a whole. Impact, I'm giving Vinny Paz a five and a half here, and you know, it's basically the same thing, right? You have to take all things into consideration, so both of these guys in the same group that obviously got a particular rating as far as impact is concerned with being a non-mainstream commercial successful group that had a tremendous amount of underground and independent success. So both of those things taken into consideration. And then Jessalah obviously had a bunch of things that brought him to that below average score in the impact department there. Whereas Vinny Paz has other things that are kind of in the reverse of Jessalah, right? So... Just Allah only contributing to about a third of Jedi Mind Tricks material. Vinny Paz contributing to 100% of it. Just Allah only putting out 5 albums in total. Vinny Paz putting out 19 albums in total. Just Allah only 63 qualified songs. Vinny Paz 297 qualified songs. So again, we have the group as a whole who is going to get what they're going to get. And then each of its members was able to do what they're able to do to either raise or lower that score. So Jusselah did some things that was able to lower it a little bit, and he finished just below average in the impact department. Vinny Paz able to do some things that was able to raise it a little bit, and he finishes just above average in the impact department. Originality, Vinny Paz gets a 7, and this is another solid score here. And like I said, Vinny Paz's voice, his message, his content, his delivery, his overall sound, all very original. And like I said, he didn't borrow or quote-unquote steal or take a bunch of lines from a bunch of other artists, but the amount that Vinny Paz sampled was really, really, really a ridiculously tremendous amount. So again, I spoke about it earlier. The sampling people definitely not going to take away as much of your originality as taking lines or taking beats and things like that from people will, but the amount that Vinny Paz sampled was so tremendous that I actually had to go out of my way to name seven people out of the, let's say, hundred that he sampled because those seven were sampled or had something taken from them so many times that they particularly had to be pointed out. So, you know, a couple of things there to keep into consideration, but mostly super original stuff there from Vinny Paz, but we do have to consider that you know, he had, on average, probably almost a sample on every song throughout those 297 songs. So, really a lot of stuff sampled there for Vinny Paz, but still a good score there for originality. He gets a 7. So, you add all those 6 numbers up again because you have the extra 8 points for the classics. So, you add the lyrics, the albums, the classics, the songs, the impact, and the originality. Add that up. You divide by 5, and it gives you a final rating of 7.40. Which puts Vinny Paz in drum roll, please. 
Fourth place of 188 artists done overall. So an absolutely incredible finish there for Vinny Paz and Jedi Mind Tricks as a whole. Man, really impressive stuff across the board here. Like I said, I fucked with Vinny Paz in high school, and although I was never a huge fan and had any albums or anything, I did always think he was good, but I did not expect this high of a finish, especially not at this point. And what I mean by that is that there were guys that I expected to finish at a certain level before I started this, but once I got to a certain point in this study, I began to realize that some of those early predictions were not going to come to fruition. This guy supersedes what I thought he'd do, even though I liked him and thought he was good. So again, man, big shout-outs to Vinny Paz and Jusala of Jedi Mind Tricks really coming through swinging today. And as if this episode wasn't dope enough already... Vinny Paz finishing inside of our top 10 means that we get a song breakdown here. Yay! Now, technically speaking, since Jusalal was not in the top 10, I should be just going to Vinny Paz's list and hitting random, but because most of Jedi Mind Tricks was just Vinny Paz anyway, and Jusalal not only qualified for the study, but finished very, very high... I think it's only right that we go to Jedi Mind Tricks list and we'll hit random on there. And okay, so this is Jedi Mind Tricks, which at the time only consisted of Stoop, the producer who made the beat, and Vinny Paz. So just a law, not on this song. However, it is featuring Sabak Red and Ill Bill of Nonfiction. So I've discussed this on other episodes before with song breakdowns. If there's an artist featured in the song, they all have to make the cut and be in this study or else we will listen to another Jedi Mind Trick song. In this case, Sabak Red, Ill Bill, and Nonfiction as a whole did make the cut, so I have no problem breaking down these guys' lyrics. So again, this is Jedi Mind Tricks, The Wolf, featuring Ill Bill and Sabak Red from Jedi Mind Tricks' third album, Visions of Gandhi, which came out in 2003. just let that first verse rock out there that first verse is by ill bill of nonfiction who like i said everybody in this song did make this cut so 
I expect some really solid stuff here from all these guys across the board, and Ill Bill certainly doesn't disappoint here. So he starts off, he says, Keep it, homie. This is a gangster party. Bulletproof glass Ferrari. Die sorry by the hand of vampires and zombies. So nothing too ridiculous there as far as what he's saying, but we can see right away that he's painting some sort of visual. visual. Bulletproof glass Ferrari. Die sorry by the hands of vampires and zombies. And on top of the visual, which won't necessarily garner him any points, he does gain some points on the song by, number one, the amount of syllables rhymed here, because we have Party and Ferrari, which are two, Sorry, which is another two, and Zombies, which is another two. Now, Zombies is a little bit of a stretch for a rhyme there, so, you know, this is one of those interpretational things and something that will probably come across as a lot easier to judge after I've gone, or while I'm going through Ill Bill's entire catalog, and I see, is this something where Ill Bill constantly makes these rhymes out of words that don't really rhyme? Or is that just something he really wanted to say, and just, you know, fuck it, it rhymes good enough for me to say what I wanted to say? So, you gotta pay attention and keep all these things in consideration when you're judging someone's lyric score. Obviously, right here off the bat, this is the first thing that I'm really hearing for the most part of Ill Bill, aside from what I've heard of him, on Jedi Mind Tricks and, you know, Vinny Paz and some other stuff like that, but I haven't officially started Ill Bill yet, so hard for me to speak on really what he's doing there. I don't really care if you want to give him the credit or not for that, because there's also a rhyme scheme on there, so keep it homie, this is a gangster party, A, bulletproof glass Ferrari, A, die B, sorry, A, by the hand of vampires, B, and zombies, A. So we have an A-A-B-A-B-A rhyme pattern there, so cool stuff. We have a lot of syllables rhymed, and it's not even going to really matter at the end of the day regardless, because if you do party, Ferrari, sorry, and zombies, that's eight syllables, which would be enough to give them some credit for some points here. So it's really more like ten syllables in that rhyme with the rhyme scheme, and if you want to take the two away from zombies, go right ahead. It's still going to be eight, so... Regardless of the fact, Ill Bill does enough on his first two bars to raise the song score a quarter of a point here. Then he goes on to say, Fire bombing, suicide army, God's inside me, ride till I motherfucking die, high in Canarsie. So obviously more dope stuff here. We got fire bombing, suicide army, which is both A. Then you have God's inside, B, me, ride, B, till I motherfucking die, B, high, B, in Canarsie, A. So we got another A-A-B-B-B-A rhyme pattern there. So right off the bat in the first four bars, Ill Bill on all four of those bars, able to utilize eight syllables rhymed or more and two different rhyme schemes on the four bars there. So incredible stuff there off the bat from Ill Bill. This song's already at a one and a half here just based on this lyrical attack here off the bat from Ill Bill. Then he says, unfocusable. Exploding smoke and toast to you vultures. Soldiers in hemoglobin, words of evil spoken invoking. So again, a lot of syllables rhymed here. I mean, I don't really know that I need to count them to tell you that that's more than eight syllables rhymed there. So again, good stuff here by Ill Bill. Then he says, volcanoes evoked. Volcanoes evoked. These veterans are very violent. Non-fiction Jedi mind tricks a deadly virus. So again, we got very violent Jedi mind tricks, deadly virus. So... You know, another 8 to 12 syllables rhyme there. This is up to a 1.75 already. 
Then he says, I could just go live, no love. I read Kabbalah on drugs, gunning my wig, getting my dick sucked. So an example here of, you know, kind of a rhyme scheme. I could just go live, no love, A. I read Kabbalah on drugs, A. Gunning my wig, B. Getting my dick, B. Sucked, A. So wig and dick is kind of a reach for a stretch, but I'm, I'm not going to give him the credit for that. But I just want to point out the way that Ill Bill seems to rap, at least on this verse, where, you know, not every single time does he nail that perfectly and get these points, but you can still see the way that he's flipping his words here, using a dope flow and kind of, you know, flipping these words around, making them drop in the right places and stuff like that. And again, nothing here to raise the song score, but I mean, he's just being ridiculous. This is what Ill Bill does. He's just saying outlandish things. You know, I could just go live, no love, I read Kabbalah on drugs. The Kabbalah is a religious Jewish book. So, it's just kind of, you know, we had examples, Big L, you know, I'm waving automatic guns at nuns and things like that, just saying ridiculously outlandish things to make a point of, you know, what type of person is coming out on the mic here. Same thing here from Ill Bill, he's just saying, I don't need no love, I'll read the Kabbalah on drugs, gunning my wig, getting my dick sucked. So I think he's trying to point out like what an extreme character he is. You know, I'm living this rock star life with, you know, a, a gun and getting my dick sucked in this crazy life. But, you know, I'm on drugs. At the same time, I'll read the Kabbalah. So it's like he's educated and informed, but he's this crazy motherfucker living this crazy life. So then he says, bitches spitting cum on each other's clits for kicks, cocaine tits, degenerate smothered in shit. So again, nothing really there to raise the song score, but he's just being visual and painting another picture going off of what he said before. I could just go live, no love, I read Kabbalah on drugs, gunning my wig, getting my dick sucked, bitches spitting cum in each other's clits for kicks, cocaine tits, degenerate smothered and shit. So he's just painting that picture again of, you know, like he did earlier, bulletproof glass Ferrari, die by the hands of vampires and zombies. Gunning my wig, getting my dick sucked, reading the Kabbalah on drugs, bitches spitting cum on each other's clits for kicks, cocaine tits, degenerate smothered in shit. So a clear visual there from Ill Bill, so still doing a really solid job on this verse. And then he says, Another day in paradise, surrounded by blockbusters and parasites, getting in shootouts for Amorites. So another nine syllables rhymed on the on the two bars there for, for Ill Bill, so we can definitely see that He's capable of a lot of different things. He's capable of rhyming a lot of syllables. He's capable of utilizing all different rhyme schemes. He's capable of painting these vivid pictures. He's capable of saying some absolutely ridiculous things. I haven't really seen him drop any super hard lines so far in this verse, but I'm sure they'd have come throughout his catalog. Super dope stuff here from Ill Bill in general. And for those people who don't know, Amorites... Uh, like an ancient Northwest Semitic speaking people who occupied large parts of Southern Mesopotamia from the 21st century BC to the end of 17th century BC. So again, it's one of those lines where are we taking ill bill literally, you know, Jada, when the, when my coat come in, they got to use the scale that they weigh the wells with and all sorts of shit like that, right? Are we taking those lines literally? I would hope not. But, you know, cool little things to say here, different stuff, you know, just trying to obviously make a, a strong point there by saying something ridiculous. But like I said, 
Paradise, Paradites, and Amorites. Another nine syllables rhyme there, so almost up to a 1.75 here, just off of Ill Bill's first verse. And then he ends his verse by saying, Leave your block flooded with blood. It's horrifying, I promise. Eat shit, suck, fuck, kill, and die honest. So pretty self-explanatory stuff there. Just more visuals from Ill Bill. Nothing particularly that's going to raise the song score there, but obviously a very, very solid verse from Ill Bill there. And then we have some sampling the chorus, which is very, very typical and a common sound for Jedi mind tricks in general. So we'll let that play out, and then we'll get into the second verse, which is by Sabak Red, who is also of the group Nonfiction with Ill Bill. Call me the rap shaker lounging in the black rage terror I lay straps with terror, forever smelling death Reoccurring nightmares and burning flesh Must be the spirit of correct that keep me turning in the bed Truth is hovering, youth is suffering Dudes be bugging when they rather shoot their brother Than help with the government I cruise make covenants, we like the darkness When we spark this, the artist part is when God is dealing with fake parties I face charges, speaking my peace Unleash the beast, after 9-11 still got beat the police Streets of war zone, we more prone to violence and greed No voice leaves no choice, they try to silence the seas Tyrants will we get yours, stop relying on me I'm firing with speed, so before you die and you bleed This is a war call, I warn y'all Stay up, build your health, or get fucked up Cut up your wrist and kill yourself For press use only, Baby Grand Records So like I said, second verse there from Sabak Red, also of the group Nonfiction with Ill Bill. So he says, call me the rap Shea Guevara, lounging in the Black Graves Terror, I lace tracks with terror forever. So 10 syllables rhymed on the first two bars there by Sabak Red and, you know, nothing too ridiculous with what he's saying. But again, it's similar to the way Ill Bill comes in here where he's kind of painting like this picture. Call me the rap Shea Guevara, lounging in the black graves terror, a lace tracks with terror forever. Then he goes on to say, smelling death, reoccurring nightmares of burning flesh must be the spirit of Koresh that keep me turning the bed. So nothing that he really nails here as far as the amount of syllables is concerned or having like a ridiculous punchline or metaphor or nothing like that, but he is able to still kind of spin the words around in a certain fashion Smelling death, reoccurring nightmares of burning flesh must be the spirit of Koresh that keeps me turning in the bed. So we have the burning flesh and turning in the bed, which again, they're not worded perfectly where he's going to get credit or raise the song score, but we do see some pretty solid stuff here from Sabak Red and what he's able to do so far. Like I said, it's not raising the score, but pretty solid stuff here. Then he goes on to say, troopers hovering, you'll be suffering, crews be bugging, when they rather shoot their brother than abuse the government. So this is a pretty powerful line here in general. So you're coming off the visuals that he's painting of, you know, being in the black graves of terror, I lace tracks with terror forever, smelling death, reoccurring nightmares, the burning flesh must be the spirit of Koresh that keeps me turning in the bed, troopers hovering, right? So like he's going on about painting this visual, but now this visual takes a turn to you. And he says, you'll be suffering, crews be bugging when they rather shoot their brother than abuse the government. So with troopers hovering and you'll be suffering, that's 10 syllables rhymed right there and he's not even at the end of his first bar. 
So that's going to raise the song score to a 1.75. Then he goes on to say, Crews be bugging when they rather shoot their brother than abuse the government. So Crews be bugging is not perfect with shoot they brother, but it's very close. We have Crews and shoot and then bugging and brother. So again, not perfect, but very close. And then abuse the government does go with troopers hovering and you'll be suffering. So more than 15 syllables rhymed on those two bars there, which puts this song close to a two already and we're not even halfway through. Then he goes on to say, our crews make covenants from right and darkness. When we spark this, the hardest part is when gods is dealing with fake artists. So on top of all those syllables that he has rhymed, this is a pretty powerful line, right? So he's saying, crews be bugging when they rather shoot their brother than abuse the government. I really think that's an impressive line and, and it's something that's not talked about enough and I think about it quite often and it's part of the reason that I outgrew living in New York City in my opinion. So that line hits home for me, crews be bugging when they rather shoot their brother than abuse the government. Really solid stuff there, very, very, very strong point there made by Sabak Red on top of the fact that he had so many syllables rhymed. So then off of that last line, coming off of abuse the government, he goes on to say our crews make covenants, which is another, you know, five syllables rhymed. And then he switches that rhyme pattern and goes on to from writing darkness when we spark this, the hardest part is when gods is dealing with fake artists. So even if you take out the five syllables rhyme that go back to the two bars before it, we still have darkness, spark this, part is, gods is, artists. Manages to rhyme another 10 syllables there on the two bars, so more impressive stuff. And again, we have another pretty solid line here from Sabak Red. Our crews make covenants from right in darkness when we spark this. The hardest part is when gods is dealing with fake artists. You know, so obviously trying to portray that he's a god dealing with merely mortal men who he's addressing as fake artists and manages to rhyme another 10 syllables there on the two bars, so more impressive stuff then he goes on to say i face charges for sparking my peace unleash the beast after 9 11 still got beef with police so everything on these two bars single syllables but then again look how many single syllables we have rhymed here i face charges for speak in with my peace unleash the beast after 9 11 still got beef with police so another six syllables are, you know, maybe I shouldn't use it as syllables because it's not syllables, but another six single syllable rhymes there on the two bars, which again, that's not going to raise the song score, but just wanted to point out that any time or at least, you know, the times that I've seen that this guy isn't making multi-syllabic rhymes, he has a lot of single syllable rhymes. So it's not just peace and police at the end of the line. It's speak, peace, unleash, beast, beef, police. Then feeding off of that, he says, streets a war zone. We more prone to violence and greed. No voice leaves no choice. They trying to silence the seeds. So this is just some ridiculous shit. Probably the best two bars here on the song for Sabak Red. So let's break down the number of amazing things that he does here. So he says, the streets is a war zone, A, more prone, A, to violence and greed, B, no voice, C, leaves no choice, C, they trying to silence the seeds, B. So we have an A, A, B, C, C, B rhyme pattern, 
which is extremely impressive. We have Warzone, More Prone, which is four syllables, Violence and Greed, Voice, Choice, which makes six, and Silence the Seeds, which is another four going back to Violence and Greed, which makes eight on top of the already six. So another 14 syllables rhymed here by Sabak Red on this verse. And let's listen to what he's saying. Streets of war zone. We more prone to violence and greed. No voice leaves no choice. They trying to silence the seeds. So he's basically saying when you live in a place that's essentially a war zone, you're going to be more prone to violence and greed, which is just, it is what it is. I mean, that's just a general true statement. Then he says, no voice leaves no choice. They're trying to silence the seeds. So then he's basically saying that by arresting and killing and all these other things that are going on with these youths that are growing up in these war zones and are becoming prone to violence, that is then in turn silencing the problems of these neighborhoods, which then in turn really never solves the problem of those neighborhoods because they're being silenced. So... The song's at a 2.25, almost at a 2.5. Really, really impressive stuff here from both Ill Bill and Sabak Red so far. So let's go on to the last four bars here for Sabak Red and see how he finishes the song. He says, Time is when you will get yours. Stop relying on me, which goes back to silence the seeds. And it's not perfect because on does not rhyme with the. So... We're not going to give him credit there for the, you know, four plus syllables rhymed on the on the bar there. But it still is a pretty cool line. He's essentially just referencing karma. He's saying time is when you will get your stop relying on me. So it's like, you know, I don't have to do it. I don't have to kill you. I don't have to stab you. I don't have to beat you up. I don't have to, you know, do this, do that or risk my life. You're going to get what's coming to you regardless when the time is right. So stop relying on me. And then he says, I'm firing with speed, which goes to relying on me. So before you're dying, you'll bleed. So again, you know, some of those are iffy. They're not perfect, but definitely a bunch of syllables rhymed on those two bars there. So this song is up to a two and a half. And, you know, I just want to point out that we're not even done with this verse. We're already at a two and a half before we've even gotten to the member of the group whose song this is, who just had the tremendous finish. So... Really incredible stuff here on this song already. And to finish the verse out, Sabak Red says, This is a war call. I warn y'all. Stay up, build your health. Or get fucked up. Cut up your wrists and kill yourself. So really impressive stuff here again. He says, This is a war call. A. I warn y'all. A. Stay up, build your health. B. Or get fucked up. C. Cut up. C your wrists and kill yourself, B. So when A, A, B, C, C, B rhyme pattern again there, that's the second time that Sabak Red was able to do that. That is not only a rhyme pattern that raises a song score, but that's a very impressive rhyme pattern that he was able to do two times in just a matter of 16 bars. On top of that, none of the other stuff from the lines take a hit anytime he does it. So again, war call, warn y'all is four syllables. Stay up, build your health is three. Or get fucked up, cut up is another two. So that's six with the three from the beginning. Kill yourself goes to build your health. So that's another two. So again, another eight syllables rhymed. 
another really unique and difficult rhyme pattern and a pretty good line there that makes perfect sense so really good stuff there from ill bill really good stuff there from sabak red the song is already at a 2.75 we only have a vinnie paz verse left and considering how high vinnie paz just finished i'm sure that this is going to be an incredible verse here from paz i'm also sure that this is going to be marked as a great song at least it looks that way so Let's let the third verse play out and see what Vinny Paz does with this one. Yeah, the street is Vietnam. I'm like Jesus trying to complete a song. I believe in Islam. Heathens can bleed till they're gone. It's on. Anyone can get hit. Anyone can get the center of the energy split. My enemy fit to face Palestine. Y'all bitch rappers only got heart on Valentine's. And all of y'all that wanna know how my metal fell It gets settled in the temple with my Beretta kill My pen bleeds to end y'all spell But y'all still seem to think y'all real Shall I mind well, put a nod to your grill We spit real, and y'all run for the hills I stab you in the back till it weakens the knees Then smash you with a statue of Jesus and bleeds So again, that was Jedi Mind Tricks, The Wolf, featuring Ill Bill and Sabak Red of Nonfiction from Jedi Mind Tricks' third album, Visions of Gandhi, which came out in 2003. And even though we only got one Vinnie Paz verse there, I think that was okay because he killed it, and it was a very typical Jedi Mind Tricks song and sound. Very dark and aggressive, and they work with both of these artists very often, so... I definitely feel we got a good showing here of not only Vinnie Paz, but Jedi Mind Tricks overall sound, plus a sneak peek into nonfiction who will be covering in season three, The New Millennium. Ooh. For the record, I absolutely love that song. It was definitely scored as a great song. No question about that. I love that beat. I love that song. They all kill it. But let's just talk about these last bars here, and then we'll get into our list. So... Vinny comes in and says, the streets is Vietnam. I'm like Jesus trying to complete a song. I believe in Islam. Heathens can bleed till they gone. So a whole bunch of stuff here. So the street is Vietnam. We have street is a Vietnam B. I'm like Jesus a trying to complete a Psalm B. So already we have street is Jesus Vietnam complete a song. So we already have... 10 syllables rhymed on the first bar plus a rhyme scheme. I mean, that is absurd. That is absolutely absurd. If we also listen to what he's saying, the streets is Vietnam. I'm like Jesus trying to complete a psalm. So comparing himself there to Jesus completing a psalm in a book that's basically, 
you know, human beings instructions on how to live essentially. You know what I mean? So really, really solid stuff on the very first bar there from Vinny Paz. On the second bar, he says, I believe in Islam. Heathens can bleed till they gone. So again, another rhyme pattern, believe in Islam, you know, back to streets is Vietnam, believe in Islam, heathens can bleed till they gone. So just really impressive stuff there. This song is pretty much out of three at this point. I mean, it needs one or two more good lines. I have no doubt Vinny Pals will deliver. Then he says, it's on. Anyone can get hit. Anyone can get the center of their energy split. So again, nothing here that's going to particularly raise the song category, but just pay attention to his wording and how he has this kind of back and forth. It's on. Anyone can get hit. Anyone can get the center of their energy split. So center, enter. So, you know, it's in the middle of a word, center, energy. It's not like a perfect rhyme, but... You know, it's just even on these quote-unquote filler lines where it's like, all right, you know, I'm not going to raise the song score from that bar. There still is impressive stuff on the bars regardless from Vinny Paz. So then he goes on and says, My enemies fit to face Palestine. Y'all bitch rappers only got heart on Valentine's. So he ended off the other two bars with energy split. Then he goes on to enemies fit, which is another eight syllables rhymed. To face Palestine, y'all bitch rappers only get heart on Valentine's. I'm sure that line is pretty self-explanatory. You know, to say somebody has heart, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, in a boxing match or a fight or something like that, it's a common theme. To have heart is to just keep going when you face adversity. I'm cut. I keep going. I want to win. I'm hurt. I get up. I keep going. I got heart. You know what I mean? So, bitch rappers only got heart on Valentine's. So not a ridiculous line, but again, you know, from energy split, enemies fit, you only got hot on Valentine's. Like I said, we only needed one or two more things here to make this go to a great song. So this is definitely a great song without a doubt. And unless Vinny Paz does some stuff to bring this back down, which I highly doubt he will, this is going to wind up being a great song for sure. So he says, and all of y'all that want to know how my metal feel, it gets settled in the temple when my Beretta kill. Which is basically the same stuff as the bars before when he said it's on. Anyone can get hit. Anyone can get the center of the energy split. And all of y'all that want to know how my metal feel, it gets settled in the temple with my Beretta kill. So settle, temple, we kind of have that little word play there where no, it's not going to raise the song score. Not that it matters because it's already at a three. But just cool word play even on Vinny Paz's quote unquote filler lines there. Then he says, my pen bleeds the ink y'all spill, but y'all still seem to think y'all real. So my pen bleeds A, ink y'all spill B, but y'all still seem A to think y'all real B. So an A, B, A, B rhyme pattern there, and another six syllables rhymed on the two bars there for Vinny Paz, so more good stuff. Then he says... Jedi mind real, put the nine to your grill. We spit real and y'all run for the hills. So I remember when we covered Eminem on the podcast and he said, my rhyming skill got you climbing hills. And I kind of referenced that and said, you know, there's a term run for the hills and I'm probably sure that's kind of what Eminem was saying. My rhyming skill got you climbing hills. So, you know, just a different approach there and nothing... That's going to raise the song score on Vinny Paz's line here. And, it, you know, it's not to compare the two. They're not on the same episode or anything like that. And they finish where they finish. They are very close to each other, one and four. But 
I just wanted to point out the differences here in the way that somebody was kind of basically able to say the same things, but just word it completely different to kind of make the same point at the end of the day. And then the last two bars here from Vinny Paz are ridiculous. He says, I stab you in the back till it weakens the knees, then smash you with a statue of Jesus that bleeds. So I stab you a in the back till B, it weakens the knees, C. Then I smash you, A, with the statue, B, of Jesus that bleeds, C. So, another 12 syllables rhymed on the last two bars there. An A, B, C, A, B, C rhyme pattern, which I'm not sure that we've seen from anybody in this podcast so far, or anybody that I've covered for that matter. So two really impressive things there. And then if you just listen to what he's saying, it makes perfect sense and it's a ridiculous line similar to what I was saying about Jadakiss when my coat comes in, they got to use the scale that they weigh the whales with purposely being ridiculous to make a point. So he says, I'll stab you in the back till it weakens the knees then smash you with a statue of Jesus that bleeds. You know, I'm sure we've all heard stories about these statues that bleed and they're religious or powerful or spiritual or whatever you want to say. So Vinny Paz just being ridiculous again and, you know, saying some outlandish shit that, like I said, this is, this is classic Jedi mind tricks and Vinny Paz and nonfiction stuff here for sure. So, um, you know, a good showing. That's a great song, man. Flat out. There's no question about that. Had the song scores gone higher, this probably would have been closer to like a three and a half or something like that. Definitely a great song for sure. Might have, you know, possibly been a little bit more fitting had it been Jusselaw and Vinny Paz. But nonetheless, very solid stuff here from our artists today. So let's get into our lists and see what they were able to crack. We'll start off with our top 10% overall. In our top spot, we have Eminem, who's in first place of 188 artists done overall. Directly behind him in second, we have Jay-Z. A couple of slots back from Jay is Vinny Paz, who's in fourth. Directly behind him in fifth is AZ. Directly behind him is Big L, who's in sixth. Directly behind L in seventh is Nas. And directly behind him is Method Man, who's in eighth. Couple slots back from him in tenth is Black Thought of the Roots. Couple slots back from him is Tupac and Biggie, who are in a three-way tie for 12th place. Behind them in a tie for 16th place, we have Pharaoh Monch and Jusala. Behind them is KRS-One, who's in 19th. Directly behind him in 20th is Rock of Helter Skelter. Directly behind him is Proof, who's in 21st. Couple of slots back from him in 23rd is Jizza. And directly behind Jizza is Sean Price of Helter Skelter, who's in 24th place of 188 artists done overall. So again, we have another super eventful week here, especially when it comes to this top 10% overall. So first of all, we see two of our artists here today who are both from Jedi Mind Tricks sliding into our top 10% overall. So solid stuff there from Jedi Mind Tricks. This also means that if we add names naturally, we also have to remove names. We had Ghostface make the last spot available on his episode, then lost it a week or two later only to gain it back last week since our list grew from a top 16 to a top 17. 
This week, our list stays the same number of people in total, but we added two names to it, and that unfortunately means that after just one week of reappearing in this list, Ghostface Killer is ousted again, along with longtime top 10 percenter 80s legend Slick Rick. Like I said, man, Slick Rick has been in this list since 1988. Through 10 calendar years, countless list resizings, and 152 new artists, he has remained a mainstay in our top percent list every week. Incredible stuff there from Slick Rick. Obvious shout-outs to him and Ghost for making appearances on that list, and definite shout-outs to Vinny Paz and Just Alive, Jedi Mind Tricks, who were so good that I slept on them even though I didn't sleep on them. <laughs> now let's get into our top 10% lyrically so far. In our top spot, we have Eminem, who got a lyrical score of 9.5. In what is now a five-way tie behind Eminem, we have Pharaoh Manch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, AZ, and Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, all tied for that second spot with lyrical scores of 8.5. In another tie behind them for 7th, we have Method Man and Jay-Z, who both got lyrical scores of 8. In a four-way tie for ninth place, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, and Big L, who all got lyrical scores of 7.5. In and another four-way tie behind them for 13th, we have KRS-One, Lord Finesse, Sean Price of Helta Skelta, and Slug, who all got lyrical scores of 7. And then in a 14-way tie for our last spot, which is 17th place, we have Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers of Onyx, Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs in Harmony, Biggie, Tame One, Lil Wayne, Rock of Helta Skelta, Razkas, and Just Allah of Jedi Mind Tricks. So... Both members of Jedi Mind Tricks able to crack this top lyrical list as well. So again, very, very solid stuff across the board here from both members. Vinny Paz all the way up top, tied for second place overall. And what an absolutely tremendous lyricist, no question. Now, if this were last week, this list would have been shorted as the top 10% would have only been 16 names and that would have cut out everyone tied for 17th year today. But because of more artists being covered on the podcast, this top 10% grows to a top 17 today. But just wanted to point out that we're just one addition away from this list being cut nearly in half. So remember these names as it could be the last couple of times you hear some of them. Now let's get into our particular decades list. We're going to start off with our top artists to make their debut in the 1980s. So your top five artists to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. So Slick Rick was just finally officially ousted from our top 10% overall. And I'm glad to see his name sitting at number two here because him and the rest of these guys deserve recognition for sure. And that should never go away. Now, let's move on to our 90s decade. Your top five artists to make their debut in the 90s are Eminem, Jay-Z, Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, AZ, and Big L. So, a bunch of things here now as well. First of all, Vinnie Paz cracks yet another list here, 
That also means we again had someone crack this top five of the 90s list, which has become the hardest to crack, but lots of additions here over this past month or so. This also means that Nas has now officially been ousted as a top five rapper of the 90s, and that sounds absolutely insane even saying that. Nas is generally considered to be one of the greatest rappers of all time, and I would generally agree to that. But here we have Nas ousted from even being a top five rapper of just the 90s, and I don't say that to shit on Nas because Nas is still seventh overall. So really amazing stuff from Nas, but I say it to point out how absolutely ridiculous this top five artists of the 90s list is. So shout outs to Vinny Paz for landing inside a nice spot on that list there and shout outs to Nas for holding a spot down in there for almost half a decade. Now let's move on to our particular regions list starting with our East Coast. So your top three artists to come out of the East Coast thus far are Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York, Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and Big L from Harlem, New York. Moving across to our West Coast, your top three artists to come out of the West Coast thus far are Tupac from Marin County, California, Razcast from Carson, California, and Ice Cube from Los Angeles, California. Moving down to the South, your top three artists to come out of the South so far are Lil Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana, Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia, and Big Boy, also of Outkast and also from Atlanta, Georgia. Moving over to our Midwest, your top three artists to come out of the Midwest thus far are Eminem from Detroit, Michigan, Proof also from Detroit, Michigan, and Common from Chicago, Illinois. So again, a couple of things to address. First and foremost, super impressive stuff here from Vinny Paz, finishing as our number two artist to come out of the East Coast so far. So some episodes back, not too long ago, Black Thought of the Roots was one of our top three East Coast was in one of our top three East Coast spots and was eventually ousted. We then got to a point shortly after where New York City occupied all three of the top East Coast spots. With Vinny Paz sliding into second here, that not only puts Philly back in a top East Coast spot, but it slides Nas and Queens out of our top three from our East Coast. So some crushing stuff here from Nas today, but obviously still holding on strong to that top overall list, which is probably the most important at the end of the day, as it encompasses all the other lists in it as well. But Nonetheless, man, shout-outs to Nas for holding a top East Coast spot down for a long time, and major shout-out to Jedi Mind Tricks, Mace, and anyone else on any of these lists here today. If you'd like to see any or all of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash podcast. You'll see left-out lists, upcoming schedules, artists that didn't make the cut, etc., etc., Easiest place to follow along from everything. I post some polls over the summer. You can do some votes, give your opinion on things and stuff like that. So if you want to follow along, that's the best place to do so. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. I would really appreciate if anybody could hit that for me. Thank you very much. And that does it for episode 52 here today. Next week on episode 53, we will be covering legendary Yonkers trio, The Locks, 
And I'm telling you, man, these 90s are closing out super strong here. You do not want to miss this one. See you next week. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well. Better off.